You seem hungry. Good thing your table is ready with Fatterday Omaha. Fatterday Omaha. Eat this. This is Dave with Fatterday Omaha, and I am sitting in the palatial KIOS, currently tea brewing studios with Tim Smith of the Tea Smith. And Tim, how you doing? I'm doing great today. You know, it's a nice, cool day, great day for tea. So yeah, good to be here with you. So this is kind of neat. So I actually, this is wonderful because you reached out a little bit. You were actually listening to our episode with Isaiah from uh, Archetype Coffee. And you're like, hey, Dave, you, you want to talk about some tea? And of course, I want to talk about some tea. So thanks for reaching out and connecting with me. I really yeah, it made perfect it. sense. He's he's a great customer of ours. And even when he was describing some of his coffees, he made some references to different types of teas. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, give me a little bit of background. So I have I have been to the tea smith. You have a wonderful uh, multi-layered shelf of many, many teas, uh, wonderful staff that is great about consulting about teas and things like that. But how did the tea smith get started? How did it all yeah. begin? Yeah, it's pretty crazy overwhelming, isn't it, when you walk in and see 150 yes. different teas. <laughs> and that was the experience I had, too. Most of my life, I was a, a coffee drinker. Uh-huh. I still, still really do enjoy good coffee. But my wife really doesn't drink much coffee. She didn't like the way the acids and the caffeines hit it. So sure. um, I was traveling uh, for business uh, in a former life and it was around uh, her birthday and i'd been married long enough to know you don't come home empty-handed at certain times after <laughs> traveling so i was out looking for a gift for her and i stumbled across a, a store selling loose leaf tea okay and i thought hey this is kind of cool you know she's got some of these tea bags and stuff in the in the cupboard and herbs and things but i hadn't seen loose leaf teas so i brought her a few loose leaf teas in a teapot brought it on home and she says oh this is great you got to try it and I said yeah I'm sure it's good tea but then I did try it and I said oh hey this isn't just that brown water in a bag <laughs> this has actually got some character to it yeah so I started drinking up all of her teas which uh, <laughs> means that I needed to go out to the internet uh, to find some more tea yeah and of course as you know on the internet uh, you can learn everything sure some sure of which is even actually accurate <laughs> Uh, but uh, not only did I start finding teas, but then I started kind of studying about tea as well. Found out it's the most consumed beverage in the world. Uh, there's all these health properties and stuff for it besides the great taste and everything. Yeah. And uh, I noticed that, and of course, this is like 20 years ago. Sure, sure. And I noticed that specialty teas were starting to do not unlike specialty coffees had done. You know, before Pete's and Seattle's Best and those people... The quality of coffee in the U.S. wasn't much, yeah. but they really started building this whole great coffee shop culture that we enjoy today. Yeah. Same thing was starting to happen with tea. I saw some of the better uh, teas, especially teas, starting to arrive in, into the country. So I thought, you know what? This is a beverage that's really good. Yeah. Uh, it's healthy. It's consumed all over the world. And the industry was really young, and there was nobody else foolish enough to be doing tea in Omaha. <laughs> so uh, that's what we started uh, about 18 years ago, and we've been drinking on the job ever since. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> that's fantastic. <laughs> well, and speaking of, of drinking on the job, much like the uh, coffee episode uh, with uh, Tim here, he's actually brought some teas. We'll get to those in a second. So if you hear any uh, boiling or steaming water in the background, we're actually going to have like live drinking of tea on the show. But uh, so – and. And I have to ask, you are Tim Smith. Did the name T. Smith come from yourself? Because, you know, I I think I hope so. I hope so. It it did kind of. Actually, you know, when we had decided, okay, we're going to start a tea shop. Yeah. uh, 
it was about the time we were taking a family vacation, heading on out to Colorado with a bunch of my young kids, okay? And so we're in the car. And if you've been on family vacations with, with kids, you know how crazy it can get. But we're trying to come up with all these different names, you know, things like, uh, oh, gosh, sweet tea, you know, different things. You know, of course, you got kids, fatality, you know, just oh, that- goofy <laughs> things off the wall. So you'd be driving along and all these names would be writing down and whatnot, and then it'd get quiet. Then you'd come up with a bunch more names, and eventually we pulled into uh, a little town in Colorado. Okay. And the restaurant was called the Village Smithy. Okay. Uh-huh. Oh, you know, Smithy, quality ingredients, quality craftsmanship. And, yeah, the name just happened to be there as well. So the T. Smith was born uh, born out of that. That's perfect. Yeah, that's, that's perfect. That's, so, that's perfect. So, and, and when did the T. Smith open its doors, we roughly? We opened right at the end of 2004. 2004. Yeah. Okay. And have you been located in the same same location there? Uh, uh, we That was our second location, but we started that one, like, in um, – 10 months after we opened. That's been our primary location since then. Okay. And for everyone listening, what is the exact address when they need to come out and find some tea? Yeah, it's 345 North 78th Street. So it's just north of Dodge on, on in the Tower Plaza there on 78th. That's fantastic. And so so the tea smith born and born and raised in Omaha and mm-hmm. here you are been providing tea for for all of these years. So yeah. did you have I think you said 135. Did you start with 135 teas or what what did the tea smith look like when you started smithing? Well, that was crazy because you know we, we were drinking it and, and uh, didn't know much about tea at all, yeah. you know. So uh, started studying the industry and reaching out to people uh, to to learn about it. And the people that are in the tea industry are really very nice. It's a, it's a small industry, real especially tea industry is small industry, really nice people willing to share their knowledge and their information and stuff. So we started trying to find some different types of teas, got some nice sources. And, and I suppose we started out with, gosh, I don't know, 50 or 60 or so oh, probably. Wow. Yeah. And then over the years, it's just kind of morphed to, you know, 100, 130, 150. And, of course, they change with the seasons. Sure. So, yeah, there's always something different to, that keeps us entertained. That's wonderful. And so f- with all of those different varieties of tea or or um, flavors and things, from from whence do they hail throughout the world yes. as, as, you know, you have so many different types of tea? Yeah, that, that's really interesting because people see, you know, white teas or green teas or black teas, and they think they're a different plant, but they actually all come from the same plant. Oh, okay. So all tea comes from a plant called the Camellia sinensis. Okay. And it's a matter of uh, how it's processed that makes it a white tea, a yellow tea, an oolong tea, or a green tea, or a black tea. And not unlike wine, you know, because people say, well, how can all tea come from one plant? Wine comes from grapes. Tea comes from a Camellia sinensis plant, but it's a matter of the varietal, the skill of the maker, the terroir, the particular seasons that year, that type of thing that have a huge impact uh, on the style, the quality, and the flavors of the tea. Awesome. And, yeah. and you said terroir, so T-E-R-R-I-I-O-R. I, I think that's a word that I actually just yeah. learned reading. Uh, there's a book, uh, it's called uh, Pizza School, and they were uh, talking about, I think it was uh, tomatoes. But so uh-huh. that is the the uh, geography, water, and structure of the land yeah. where the item is produced that causes flavor to happen. So in the case of like a San Marzano tomato, it's grown in like the soils of Mount Vesuvius or whatever. So same thing with tea then too, it takes on characteristics of its environment. Right? It really does. Yeah. yeah. 
Oh, that's wild. And and so sitting before me, actually, I have four small little samplers of tea. Mm-hmm. They all look very different. I have one that is a, a more grassy green. I have some that are darker, some that have golden flecks in them. And so these are all from the same tea plant, mm-hmm. but then varietals or, or, or how... T- tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. How do they differ? And 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 if you can, too, the white versus black tea versus... Sure. Tell me a little bit about that because this tea, you know, it's called a white tea, but it doesn't look. It's a much darker like, hue. So yeah. so what is the difference? Yeah. So that, yeah, that, that's one of the things that really attracted me to tea was the wide variety of the, the tastes of tea. You know, you go from the white teas that are light and floral to black teas that are robust and some of them are even smoky and just everything in between. Yeah. So <clears throat> real quickly, uh, a white tea is the least processed of all. Okay. Uh, traditionally, it only comes from the northern part of Fujian, China. And what they would do is at certain times in the spring, they will go out there and uh, they will pluck the leaves, dry them and sort them. And that's all that happens to a white tea. Oh, wow. So very, very minimally processed. And hence, you've got a pretty light flavor as well. Gotcha. Okay? The next step then, it would be a green tea where they, they uh, pluck them. Them, and then they let them to sit and kind of wither a little bit so the leaves become pliable. Mm-hmm. And then they can, uh, you know, shape them a little bit like gunpowder tea or twist them and th- this type of thing. But they, they heat them up and dry them very quickly so they don't oxidize. They don't interact with the oxygen. Oh. Okay. Oolong teas uh, are amongst my favorites. Uh, those, are, those live in the world between green teas and black teas. Okay. Green teas that aren't oxidized, black teas that are fully oxidized. And the oolong teas can be 15% oxidized, 80% oxidized, or whatever. Tons and tons of work to go into them. So they'll take them, they'll pluck the leaves, they'll let them wither, uh, and then they will start to dry them and let them let them kind of interact with the oxygen a little bit and this oxidation the chemical process between the the teas the enzymes in the teas mm-hmm. and the oxygen that start to develop uh different flavors it's it's what actually makes the the fully black teas much stronger in flavor oh goodness so yeah. they take those those uh, oolong teas and the one we've got sitting in front of us it probably took the uh the artist 25 hours of constant moving and tending and and shaping to make it you know and, wow. and it's all it's all really cool because of the high-end teas like that uh they're all done by sense okay he can smell it he can see it he can feel what it looks like how it's how it's coming along yeah and so he'll speed it up or slow it down or whatnot and then after they they uh get it to where they want they'll heat it and they'll roll it into very tight little spheres like you see on the one there yeah that actually open up quite a bit and then some of them are all smoked over a um charcoal wood and that type of thing so they get all sorts of great flavors fabulous array of flavors there like black goodness. teas then are the ones that after they've plucked them allow them to weather they'll roll them around a little bit and allow them to fully oxidize and that's what develops that stronger flavor that we're all used to in the black teas and so so really the the name of your place the tea smith the smith part of that mm-hmm. being a blacksmith or goldsmith or creating these teas is really applicable to how they're created because yeah. you know when we're talking coffee with you know the beans and roasting and things like that and so a, a person must have to really understand the craft to be able to adjust the oxidation level and and I'm assuming how quickly things are drying out or not and and when you were saying that leaves or or you know may need to be moved from place to place I'm assuming that's to that's to adjust 
moisture loss or, or those things to kind of get the right balance. Yeah, if you think about it, if you're going to try and dry these things and you've got different weather conditions. Yeah. Okay, so maybe today it's really hot or tomorrow it's a little cooler or the humidity is this and that. So, yeah, it's it's, it's amazing to watch uh, these these uh, tea makers at, at work at the, at the source, uh, the pride that they take into it. And just like any professional, they make it look deceptively easy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, have, have you got to – now, mentioning the, the tea makers, have mm-hmm. you been able to – travel like throughout the world or, or places to go visit some of these areas? We have or? been fortunate enough to, to visit some of the makers. You know, not, you know, COVID really kind of put a kibosh on, on sure. some of our trips lately. But yeah, yeah, we've had a chance to go to uh, a little bit into China and to Taiwan and to Japan, uh, a few of those places to see uh, some of the gardens there. And uh, so that's uh, that's been really special because, uh, you know, we're not a big company by any means. But once you go there and the people see that you appreciate what they're doing uh, and you understand it and then you're going to share that with your with your customers, uh, they will send back some pretty cool stuff with us that you may not be able to get if you're a huge, huge company that where you need, you know, thousands and thousands of tons of tea to, to make something in tea bags. Uh, but if we can get some small stuff that's quite unique and, and special uh, that we can share with with our customers. That's wonderful. Yeah. That's wonderful. And so, wow. And so all those different varieties and and connecting with the, the maker that's spending hours or days or I, I guess that's a good question mm-hmm. is from, you know, the time that that tea leaf is ready to, to pick and do something with, I mean, about how long does it take for well, I guess a, a white tea may not take as long, yeah. but kind of what's an average life cycle for the different types of, of teas from plant to cup? Yeah, really from uh, the time that they're plucked uh, until the time that they are completely finished and, and in the bag, uh, it's a matter of just hours or a very few days. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's really quick. You know, it's a, it's a lot different than coffee, you know, because coffee, they, they take the beans and then they can, the green, you know, the green beans can sit for quite some time. Uh-huh. With tea, it's all done in a, in a very short amount of time. Oh, very interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. And then so and I'm assuming they have to package them such that they can make make the trip from Japan or China or Taiwan or wherever they're they're being shipped from mm-hmm. too. So do do we have any tea producers in the US? Is that a is that a crop that we grow? I I don't know. You know, they've grown tea in Hawaii for a long long time mm. uh, over the years. Uh, it went away for a while, but there's some really interesting specialty tea uh, things going on there. Uh, Bigelow has got a little uh, farm in Charleston, South Carolina. It's more of a tourist type of thing. Yeah. But uh, there are some people that are actually starting to produce some specialty teas, especially in the Northwest and in the South, uh, like in Mississippi and whatnot, where the climate is not so extreme. Ah, So very, very small handmade batches so far, but some cool stuff and and a lot of uh, care and uh, attention are going into these. That's wonderful. Yeah. That's wonderful. So does the cut of the tea or how, because I'm looking at these four here, they're widely different. Uh, n- none of these four look the same. I wouldn't say they're the, even the same plant. I, I know we, as we discussed, yeah. they are. But how does the cut make a difference in, in the tea or the, the prep, physical preparation of the yeah. tea, I guess? Well, these are all specialty teas. They're all handmade teas. So, for example, most people are used to tea bags. Okay? Sure. And, and those are just basically things where they've gone through and gotten high production. And they'll take, you know, the top leaves and a bud, which is the really good stuff. But then they'll take the lower leaves and the uh, stems and they'll grind it all up. And you've got that dust uh, in your tea 
bags, okay? Ah, okay. And so that's why you can dump a tea bag in water and then brown water comes out. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, you get some flavor and whatnot. Uh, with these, uh, as they unfurl, because they've taken like 97% of moisture out. Okay? Yeah. And as they unfurl, they expand quite a bit. So as we'll see later uh, when we get a chance, like that oolong tea that we've got, it looks like a little tiny, you know, smaller than a pea. Yeah. Know, just a very small, tight roll. There's actually two full tea leaves uh, about the, about an inch and a half long on each of those. Oh. So it expands. It's an man, immense expa- uh, expansion on that. Really cool to see. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So so uh, before the tea leaf is picked, about how yeah. big is a typical tea leaf, give or take a little bit? Yeah, it depends on the varietal. But uh, what you really want are the, from the tea plant is just the top tender leaves in a bud. Okay? Ah, okay. And they could be uh, as small as maybe an inch or so, uh-huh. up to eh, a couple inches thereabouts, depending on the varietal. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And, and then after, after they pick the ones at the top, do they just let the top leaves grow back or do they trim the plant and then you get newer top leaves? Or I guess, yeah. or how does that work out? Yeah, I mean, the, the tea plant, if, if you leave it to, uh, on its own, it will grow for literally hundreds of years. Oh, my goodness. Okay. But when you see pictures of tea fields, you know, you see them kind of a nice cascading waves of green about waist high. Well, yeah. they, they keep that's what they call the plucking table level because uh-huh. they can go by there and, and handpick the teas or, or harvest them. Oh, wow. So, so it, yeah. If so left with, unchecked, do they get very, very tall? They do. Oh. They do. You know, they'll grow 30 or 40 feet. There's oh, dear. One, there, there's one tea called, um, that we have called monkey pick too long. Uh-huh. Okay. And since the tea leaves are, uh, you know, the best teas are high up in the t- there, they train monkeys to actually go up and pick the teas leaves and throw them back down. Oh, my gosh. So that's not even a clever name. They actually send. Do <laughs> you actually believe that? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great story. But uh, basically, they do have to get on ladders and, whatnot and go up there and get those little leaves. So, you know, the, the, the story behind it is, you know, it's they only pick the best leaves. Out yeah. Of it. Yeah. Oh, that's too funny. So, yeah. There's all sorts of fun names for tea, you know, from teas because it's coming from, you know, all these different uh, Asian areas that uh, have been pretty creative in, in some of the names. Yeah. 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 Well, I'll, I'll tell you what, since we're we're into our show and definitely have some tea talk, should we we try a brew on a cup since we have a couple to go through? I'm always up for drinking some tea. Okay, perfect. All right. So we will uh, we'll work this out and we're going to we're going to keep the mics rolling and we'll uh, we'll see what happens here. And let's let's get to some tea. All righty. Cooler Perfect. So we've got a we've got an electric kettle, and uh, Todd, if you're listening to this, we are safely away from the electronic equipment. But uh, yeah, Tim is pouring us a couple of nice, got a couple of ceramic uh, teacups, and then looks like some small strainers with little lids on there. About how long does a, a typical brew take on some tea? I guess we'll get you back on the mic since things are things are happening there. <laughs> well, actually, some of them can can go for 30 seconds if you do it what they call gong fu style, uh, which is a very common way to do it in China where you, you'll brew the tea uh, for short periods ah. uh, and then do like five or six and the leaves open up slowly uh-huh. and the taste change each time you reinfuse it. Okay. Yeah. But uh, beyond that, you know, if you're making tea for yourself at home or whatnot, it's really pretty simple. White teas, green teas, oolongs, uh, those will go for, uh, you know, anywhere from two to four minutes at uh, water that's about 180 degrees. Okay. okay? Uh, black teas and then herbals, yeah. uh, five minutes with water right off the boil. Okay. Gotcha. So, yeah. So the you know the white teas, the green teas, they're a little more fragile since they're not pr- uh, processed as much. Uh-huh. So you really do want to use a little cooler water uh, and a little bit shorter time as a general rule. Gotcha. And yeah. and which tea are we brewing currently? So I actually started three of them. Oh uh, wow. I, okay. I, yeah. 
uh, multitasking here. I love it. Yeah. So I started the, uh, we have a white tea from Colombia. Okay. Uh, which is quite surprising. This is the only uh, organic uh, specialty tea farm uh, in Colombia. Wow. So we've got that one. I brought a Katagani Kukicha. That's okay. a heck of a name there. Nice. It is. Love it. Uh, it is a twig tea made from uh, the Giyakuro, uh tea in Japan. Okay. And then, of course, the other one that uh, we started up with was the Taiwan True Cream Oolong. That's the one you smelled earlier that on. That had the buttery popcorn yeah. notes. It smells like buttered popcorn. So let's see what we got going here. I love it. Okay. So is this, this one the white tea that we're starting with here? No, actually, this is... This is the green tea, the kukicha. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, you'll get a little bit uh, of that umami uh, aroma to it, mm -hmm. and uh, a little bit of the scent of the ocean. Mm. Japan is a small island, and uh, so that's uh, you get a lot of that that nori flavor to it. That's one hundred percent what I was just gonna. I mean, the green color definitely invokes a little bit of that thought too. But yeah, the that nori that nori essence there, and, and I love some good sushi. Um, and that I'm gonna, we're going to take a sip here. Mm, that's good. That's good. Just it's a nice light flavor. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that that nori smell. I really yeah. like that a lot. We hit this pretty nice. It's it's got you know it's it's got that nice mouthfeel to it a little bit. To... Yeah, I I like that too. That you oh, that yeah. you feel like that it has a little more body to it than just mm -hmm. oh hey I'm just to have some yeah. like, you know just some water there's there's more there's more to it than mm -hmm. that yeah absolutely yeah, it's got a little bit of that sweetness that vegetal sweetness to it too this is really an interesting tea uh <clears throat> get it's um made in Japan and the, the tea that they're producing with this is called Gyokuro which means jade dew okay mm. and only about eight tenths of one percent of the tea that's made in Japan is is Gyokuro it's a shade grown tea okay oh and this uh, is the stem tea that's made from that so when the leaves come into the factory uh, there's a machine that actually uh, sees the the different color of the stems as compared to the leaves uh -huh. and s blows them aside okay so that the uh, Gyokuro itself is only the leaves and then this one uh, as you look at it you can see a little bit of light and a little bit of dark into it okay yeah so that's the twigs you know the stems that are uh, that the leaves are attached to so this is higher in some of the theanines and polyphenols but lower in caffeine for people okay? oh okay so it uh, yeah it's amazing to see the amount of work that goes into making this particular one no kidding it's it's beautiful to look at too this is a little bit of uh, leaf essence uh, in the bottom of the cup reading the tea leaves so to speak um, and it's actually beautiful to look at. <laughs> I, I love the, the oceany uh, essence here. That nori smell is just great. This one does smell amazing. This one. This, this is the white tea from Colombia, okay? Now, I think we brewed this one just a little bit strong, but the color is pretty interesting on that, isn't it? It's, it, not, it's not white, you know? No, it's, it's uh, almost honey. Mm -hmm. And actually almost has a sweeter honey-like note or a... It does. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of the things that kind of surprised me on this particular white tea um, <clears throat> is it, it's got kind of a sweet finish to it. That's a totally different profile yeah. than, than our first tea. Mm -hmm. Now, when you said that that maybe we brewed this one a little too strong, mm -hmm. how, how, does, how does one tell? Or how does one target a perfect tea brew? Well, to get it, I mean... It, each of the different teas, you, uh, <clears throat> when you learn, you kind of figure out uh, and learn what things to look for in the tea that they're trying ah, to, to make. Okay. Okay. 
So, for example, uh, if this one had uh, bitterness or astringency to it, that would be a bad thing. Okay. Mm. Uh, Sometimes if they're not dried properly, you can see some of the um, defects when you taste it and things of that nature. So each of the teas has a different characteristic that you're looking for, okay? So uh, that first one, if we found it to be bitter, uh-huh. you know, that uh, kukicha, that would be a problem. It would be been overbrewed or uh, too much tea used or something to that effect. Uh, it, it's really fun, for example— um, we do a lot of Darjeeling teas. Darjeeling is, is in the uh, northern part of uh, India. It's in the foothills of the Himalayas. Okay. Really cool. So, you know, you're asking about uh, how long the tea plant goes. Well, yeah. since it's in the foothills of the Himalayas, uh, it goes dormant during the winter. Okay. And then uh, right about this time of the year, they have the first bloom or the first flush of leaves. Okay. So at this time, uh, we are actually having samples flown over to us from different gardens. Okay? Oh, my goodness. And then we will double blind taste test them to see which ones we really like. So we're looking for certain characteristics in this first flesh Darjeeling tea. A little bit of sweetness to it, uh, none of a roasty flavor, a little bit of slight astringent. So different characteristics in that particular tea, okay? Yeah. As compared to, say, uh, an Assam tea, which is also from India, which has got a real, you know, you really look for a bold, bold multi flavor to that one. So uh, just each tea has its own characteristics that you really try to pick. And who is on your tea tester tasting panel here that brings those in, obviously yourself. It That's like one of the so. perks of the job, you know, yeah. having, having to come in and, and try all these different types of teas, okay? Uh, so certainly myself and, and a few of my tasters, experienced people are really there, but all of the Smithies uh, get to do that, and actually we require them to do that, okay? Yeah. Uh, we, re, we actually have a big old training program where they cup each of the teas, they describe the dry leaf, the aroma, the taste of the tea, how it looks, how it finishes, and all that type of a thing. So when when they start there, they've got 150 different teas that they've got to start <laughs> writing down. It is a little bit overwhelming. Yeah, that yeah. sounds that sounds daunting. <laughs> but it's it's great to you know to continue your, your learning. All right. I think we're gonna go for a third tea. Yeah. <laughs> So as Tim is kindly pouring uh, cups over here, I, I got a little aroma beforehand. And this is the one that in the bag smelled like buttered popcorn. No kidding. I mean, if you close your eyes, there, there's a definite butter characteristic, no question. And there is no flavor added to this. This is actually how the uh, the tea <clears throat> is produced. Uh, the insects have a ten on this particular tea. The insects have uh, kind of attacked it a little bit. And so it's thrown off this little bit of defense. And that's what kind of generates some of the, uh, the flavors to that. So that milk profile that you're getting uh, is a natural product of the maker being able to pull that out. Wow. And, of course, you can't see this, uh, but the leaves uh, have gone in size from just little tiny things to these great big we're, two leaves in a bud. We're going to grab a, a live photo here, and then what we'll do is after you kind listeners out there are listening to this show, head over to the Fatterday Omaha social media, and we will get a picture of these tea leaves for you here. And then we'll take a before and after photo because they are wildly different. When you look at these on our site here and see what Tim has brought us, you will see that these leaves really did unfurl. I did not expect... I mean, that's three, four times its its size. So so we've got some a little bit of stem. Mm-hmm. So this is a whole tea leaf here in this Absolutely. case, right? Yes. So my goodness gracious. Yeah. 
Oh, wow. So so tell me a little bit more about this guy. So the, the buttery notes come mm-hmm. off from a somewhat of a defense mechanism? It is, yes. Mm-hmm. And you notice, too, that the leaf is still real green. There's just yes. a little tiny bit of brown on the edges. Yes. Okay, that means it's li- very lightly oxidized. Okay, They don't let it uh, oxidize very much. And then you also notice that you still get, when you're drinking it, you still get that nice, smooth vegetal flavor to it as yeah. well, okay? So they haven't taken this, because some of the teas they will take and then actually roast over a, uh, a fruit wood. So oh, then you'll okay. get kind of a toasty, uh, kind of toasted grain uh, hint to it on top of that green uh, flavors underneath. Wow, wow. So, yeah. This is a surprising tea in, in many ways, yeah. uh, just from the, the scents and the, the, when drinking it, for me, the, the butter takes a minute to, to hit, but it's almost like I had a few kernels of popcorn mm-hmm. about 30 seconds ago, and I'm like, oh, yes, there's still some butter butter aftery notes there. Yeah, That's yeah. wild. You were asking a little bit about, too, about, you know, how do you know different teas and how do you make them? A few years back, uh, the World Tea Expo had a competition called the Top Tea Infusionist Challenge. Okay. okay? And uh, they invited a, a few of us to, to participate in this, and what they did is they sent us... I think there's about six different teas from all over the world, different styles, okay? And we had to uh, be up on the stage. And it's kind of like one of those cooking shows, you know, where you're up on the stage, you've got the cameras going, you've got the judges there, except tea judges aren't snarky like they're in some of those (laughs) cooking competitions. And so they were watching not only for uh, how well we managed to brew it and and our, our ability to come through with that, but also to explain what we were doing, why we were doing it, and, and how and what to expect when it came out. So we had uh, another style of oolong tea. It was called a rock tea, okay. uh, but it was another oolong tea. And uh, so I was brewing that one and brewed it for about 30 seconds, and it comes up to this nice floral sweetness, and I poured it out and says, you guys don't get that. <laughs> and then the next one I let go for about a minute and a half, and it had this this strong cinnamon bark type of a flavor to it. Okay. okay. If you hadn't seen me doing this, you would swear that they were two completely different teas. Oh, my goodness. But the oolongs, is a, you know, if you brew them a number of different times, the different taste profiles come out. And one oh. of the reasons I did it in the manner I did is that that's the style, that's the way they drink that style in that particular area. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So you have great. So same, no difference in the tea, just changed brewing method. And brewed then, it, yeah, brewed it for 30 seconds and then turned around and rebrewed it for about a minute and 30. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Are there any teas that come to mind? Maybe this is one where you would brew it on purpose to create a different flavor depending oh, yeah. on, on what you wanted to do with the it. The oolongs are made to do that. And okay. then there's a tea called Pur. Uh, which is from southern uh, Yunnan province, southern part of China, uh-huh. that also really lends itself to a whole bunch of short infusions. So oh. <clears throat> that's kind of called Gang Fu style, uh-huh. the traditional way that the, the Chinese would brew them in, in their tea ceremony. That's awesome. And yeah. I, I've heard tell, and maybe you can lend some credence to this, that, um, and maybe it's an episode of Splendid Table. But anyway, they were talking about tea and that if you're going to sit down and have tea with someone, uh, depending on where you are, that, you know, there's the first brew, the second brew, third, fourth, and mm-hmm. you will sit there for a longer period of time, have some nice discussion, and the the, the brew and the flavor changes uh, throughout the conversation and everything. It's exactly what along. we're describing here. Ah, the oolongs okay. and the pours are, are typically, the, you know, the way you would do that. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And, and so from that then, so we talked about, you know, two brews or, or whatever, but mm-hmm. how many... 
How many different brews would you get from the same leaf? And does that vary somewhat by brewing time? How, oh, yeah. how does your tea extend there? Well, you ask, ask all sorts of great questions, so. <laughs> uh, especially the pours. Uh, they are made for <clears throat> multiple infusions. And the, some of the really expensive ones, uh, you can go six or eight times before oh you've really exhausted that leaf. Uh, these oolong teas, for example, uh, had we done it, Gong Fu style, we probably would have gotten three or four uh, infusions before we got to the leaves opening up all the way like this. Oh my goodness! Wow. Oh, so if you would okay, so if you would have done a, a shorter brew time, mm-hmm. the leaves would not have opened as much. Exactly. And then towards we do a brew, yeah. ah, and then they they unfurl mm-hmm. as your as your conversation goes on, as you yeah. get more flavor, the leaf too grows with you. Yeah. Um, kind of exactly. literally there. So we've got uh, we've got a ginseng oolong that it's a nice oolong tea that is. Uh, obviously flavored with ginseng, <clears throat> and that's a perfect one for this because the first time you brew it, a lot of that ginseng comes out, and in subsequent uh, subsequent brewings, the uh, ginseng fades away and the tea flavor comes on up. So it's it's pretty fascinating. That's wild. Yeah. And and so if so for a tea like this, if we did a short brew and, mm-hmm. and the leaf did not open up, mm-hmm. is if we let that sit, is it is it pretty much done if you let it sit for a certain amount of time? Or is it one of those things where it's like, oh, shoot, I, I they're still sitting there. I can yeah. pick them up and use them later. How, do, how does that work? Yeah, out? this one, for example, uh, we, we ended up with probably going three or four minutes. Yep. So the leaf is pretty well open all the way. Uh-huh. Okay? If we'd done it a shorter amount of time, you'd see those uh, things, those leaves still very tightly rolled, and then they would start to open up a little bit and a little bit more. Uh, there's a uh, green tea called jasmine pearls, okay. Okay, which is a, uh, a green tea that has been rolled into tight, tight little pearls, hand-rolled, by the way. Oh, my goodness. And then they lay it out in uh, jasmine flowers, and wow. the, the uh, tea absorbs the aroma from the jasmine. Okay. Yeah. And they they probably have to change the flowers like six times, and so it gets completely absorbed that way. And so the first time you start to drink that, you really get that jasmine hint. Uh, and as the jasmine fades away, the, the tea opens up further and whatnot. Oh it's God. also, since it's a jasmine, since it's a scented tea, it's a great example uh, of how much that we can taste is affected by what we can smell. Mm. Okay? Mm-hmm. Because if you don't have any sense of smell, that jasmine scent isn't going to be there. You're not going to pick up on any of that. It's just going to be kind of a green tea. Wow. Wow. And it's funny that you're mentioning that because I just have the barest amount of liquid in my cup here, but I'll be darned if there is still not a buttery note still coming up from from this cup. That's incredible. That's incredible. Are there teas then that don't do well with a rebrew that are just a one and done or can most be brewed multiple times? When you get into some of the herbals, Uh uh, those typically uh, don't do well with, with second or third infusions. Uh, but the, most of these will yield a nice second infusion. Yeah, you know, uh, especially if it's a decent decent tea to start with. It might not be the same taste exactly, but you know, a lot of people will will do that second infusion and, and have a nice cup of tea. Because you have 135 you know varieties there. What are some of the things that get added to tea leaves or things to create a totally different flavor profile because we had the leaves that were sitting on a jasmine flower, mm-hmm. but are there somewhere maybe the jasmine flower is included in the, I guess, well, you'll have to tell me, is it yeah. a, called a tea blend or a consist or what oh, is we do a lot of it? We do a lot of blends. And of course, you know, Americans drink about 75 or 80% of our tea is black iced tea. Okay. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. And as we're coming into summertime, we'll have all these great flavors like, uh, you know, mango. Uh, we have one called mango mayhem. That's a black, black tea or peach paradise. It's a black tea. So we will actually 
actually add peach uh, flavors and and pieces of peach or mango uh, into those into those teas to come up with the flavorings uh, on top of the teas, that's which wild. is uh, that's another complete art form is trying to uh, figure out how to flavor teas. So we had that that white white tea that was a straight white tea, but yeah. we've got one that's uh, really nice. It's got a peach flavor to it as well, and so you're balancing out the lightness of the tea leaf itself with a nice light peach flavor uh, on top of it. So you don't want one to overpower the other. The one thing that we do stay away from when we're doing our blends anyway is adding sugars. Mm. Okay, uh, And that's that's really kind of fun. That because, was going to be a question yeah, too, so I'm glad you're bringing this up. <clears throat> you know, even our, our, our new tea smithies or customers when they first come in, you know, people, Americans are kind of used to making tea and then dumping sugar into it. Sure, okay? sure. Well, tea bag stuff has a tendency to be a little bitter, so I can understand that. But uh, it, it's really been fun because uh, over a period of time, you know, they'll come in and, and they'll say, okay, let me have some sugar. I said, no, just try it without it. Yeah. And then they'll try the peach tea or the mango tea uh, or even a white tea with, without it. And they say, well, this is great. I don't need sugar. So that's one of the reasons that tea is so healthy for you. Mm-hmm. Besides all of the uh, health benefits that are inherent into the plant, uh, you know, you're keep, you're kind of weaning yourself off of that need for sugar. So mm-hmm. you're not adding that, all that, uh, that extra stuff. Yeah. Do the producers that are growing the tea leaves and rolling mm-hmm. the tea leaves and doing this, do they also handle the, the mixtures, the combinations, the, the blends? Yeah. Or is that something that you're doing in the shop? Or how do those yeah. come to be when you want a, a mango tea? Yeah. Typically, they wouldn't do it there at the factory uh, as a general rule. So they will go off to, you know, we do a lot of our own flavors. Okay? Oh, okay. So, yeah. So we make, you know, uh, the mango teas. The You know, our Earl Grey is different than what somebody else's Earl Grey would be like. Depending on the bergamot that we put in, the amount of tea, the types of teas, the the flavoring, all that type of stuff. So it's it's a real art form to get that just balanced right. That's wonderful. That's How, fun. That's wonderful. So what are some of the, I mean, maybe uh, more recent ones or maybe remarkable ones that you created at the tea smith that are you know one of a kind that you're like wow this is a really special you know tea or one that you really enjoy yeah uh, I, I haven't created a lot of them lately because i've got so many people that are better at it than i am <laughs> so uh we're doing right now uh and it's coming up for the summer especially a mango passion rooibos oh my goodness oh yeah so rooibos is a caffeine-free herb that's uh, kind of nutty uh very smooth uh but full of antioxidants and vitamins and it flavors very well so you put a little bit of mango fruit in there a little bit of passion fruit in there uh, and it makes a great, uh, great tea uh, all together. So that's that's a fun one that we've been starting with. Uh, one of the other things that's gotten really popular around the country is um, it's called uh, blue butterfly. Okay, and that's an herb that uh, actually brews up blue. Whoa! Okay, and you'll see a lot of mixologists using it. Yeah, because it adds a really cool color to the drinks, and it's also. Uh, pH neutral. So if you add a little bit of lemonade or citrus into it, it turns purple. Oh my goodness. But uh, so we're doing a, uh, a blue butterfly garden. That's, it's got a lot of nice, it's got that herb in there and it's got a lot of nice uh, lemongrass and a little bit of fruit and different things like that. So that's, that's a fun one that we do as well. Wow. Summer Companions coming up and that's one that's uh, kind of nice balance of fruit, some current, uh, a little bit of, you know, not too sweet, but to just kind of a really nice balanced rice tea. Good. I'm glad you said iced tea because that was going to be my next question for you. So we have enjoyed, and today it is very chilly when we're recording, Mm -hmm. so hot tea is probably the name of the game. Mm -hmm. But do all teas work well for an iced version or are some better than others? Or if you want a cold one, what do you look for? Yeah. It's a matter of taste. You know, you can, any of these teas can be brewed uh, to, to be an iced tea. Uh, 
for example, that uh, Karagani Kukicha that we had uh, yeah. is really, really interesting as an iced tea. And so we, we do what we call cold brew, cold fusion. Okay. Now, they're, now they're calling it cold brew. We've I like cold fusion. That sounds yeah. awesome. <laughs> We've been doing it. So it, it's kind of a nice replacement for uh, doing a sun tea. Yeah. You know, people always used to do sun tea because they, they'd toss the, the tea bags in water and put it in the sun. And uh, that way, the, the bitterness that comes out of tea bags didn't come out because it was brewing at a low temperature. Ah, okay. I'm always a spoiler, though, because if you think of taking wet plant matter and put in a tepid water, uh-huh. really nice place to grow bacteria, okay? <laughs> so uh, the cold brew gets rid of that, okay? You can take the, your tea, uh, put it in a nice, nice infuser basket, put it in cold water and stick it in the fridge, uh-huh. and white teas and green teas, a few hours later, you've got a really cool brew. Black teas, it takes a little bit longer, but, uh, wow. you know, and different different taste components come out of that as well. So, yeah, it's, it's really fun. That's one of the fun things about tea is, is you can kind of control your flavors a little bit. Yeah. You know, uh, if you open a bottle of wine, it is what it is, okay? But this, this tea depends, you know, like the Katagani Kukicha, okay? If you brew it for this amount of time, you get these flavors. If you cold brew it, you get kind of these flavors. You know, the, the oolong tea, you know, how long you brew it, the different flavors come out. So you can really have a lot of fun, re, you know, re reimagining the tea yeah Yeah. oh oh, and that's neat too because we you know you you were discussing the different brews you know the first brew versus second brew Mm -hmm. or 30 seconds versus a minute and now we're talking about different flavors from iced and hot and so this this one you know little bag of tea or container of tea could give you you know four or five different you know um taste sensations as it were uh you know that way too um if you were going to make well i guess hot versus iced how do you know how much tea to use per how much water so you get the right flavor when you're done. Oh, yeah. It's, it's actually pretty simple. And in our store, we've got this little card, the uh, four perfect ways to make iced tea. Uh-huh. You know, as you got the, the party method, the impatient method, and all that type <laughs> of stuff. But, I mean, it's, it's, it's really pretty easy. you got, uh, <clears throat> you know, roughly a, uh, if you're going to make a, a teaspoon of uh, tea to eight ounces of water, and that's about it. Oh, okay. Yeah, so you know, that's good, that's kind of a rule, rule of thumb. thumb. Yeah. All right. All right. That sounds good. And and do you ever mix two totally different styles of tea together? Is that very taboo because they're they're tuned in before you get there? You know, whatever works for you is <laughs> is, uh, is part of the things. It's part of the fun to experiment with certain things. Now, it'd be really tough to take an, a white tea and put it with a black tea because the white teas need to be brewed at a cooler temperature. The black teas, are, you know, that type of thing. But you know, white and green teas. Yeah, we've got one called um, Fruit Lovers Dream. Uh-huh. It's actually got uh, obviously some fruit in it, but it's a combination of white and green teas because they brew at a similar temperature and stuff. So yeah, you can have all sorts of fun with things. That's wonderful. Yeah, that's wonderful. We've got a lot of customers that do that too. They'll they'll come in and experiment with with different blends on their own and different herbs and fruits and stuff so Neat. you can be as creative as you want and so if you're if you're getting started brewing tea so we have a beautiful little tea arrangement here so we've got a very small uh, infuser basket within a, a little ceramic pot that has a nice pouring spout and some nice little cups but what's a what's a good way to get started brewing tea at home because I think we discussed that maybe maybe tea bags aren't the best and and uh, necessarily it might be for your application but in this case we're talking about loose leaf yeah. tea how do I get my tea and my water into my cup pretty simple actually I mean it's uh since you don't have a tea bag, you need a, a basket to, to hang on to the tea. You know, you saw those little infuser baskets in the in the brewers here. Yeah, yeah. Because, the, you know, the, and they need to be a little bit larger because the tea expands. Mm-hmm. So you just take and you put, uh, say you've got a 16-ounce cup, okay? Uh, let's You put your infuser basket in there. You put two teaspoons of tea in there. You dump your hot water in. Let it sit for the amount of time. Take the basket out, and you're done. 
Nice. So people think that making tea from loose leaf tea is rocket science. It's not really. Not. <laughs> and then when you're when you're done, you can just rinse out the the basket and, and, and tea leaves go. can yeah. go away. And, and, and away use go. the tea leaves for your garden because it makes great mulch. Oh, very nice. Yeah. So you had mentioned too with the iced tea, you had the uh, the impatient version and then the the party version. Yeah. How much tea and what what do I need? Do I use a big steamer for the party version? How do I make a whole bunch of tea? Well, you can have a lot of friends over, I guess. Huh? Right. <laughs> so for example, the impatient method, <clears throat> and that's kind of the way. If you came in and said, "Hey, I want a." Uh, uh, an iced Earl Grey, uh, we would double the, the amount of tea. Okay. okay? Use the, you know, the same amount of water, and then you take the glass completely full of ice, all right? And as you pour that hot tea over that big glass of ice, it melts the ice and cools the tea, and you've got the right right method there. Okay? I gotcha. So your double-strength tea yeah. then helps because you're going to dilute a little bit exactly. as, as the water exactly. melts. Exactly. Pretty simple. Ah. And then the party method is, you know, you, know, you just – we've got like these – Sacks that'll hold like an ounce of tea each, and that's good for about a gallon type of thing. So you, you know, if you got a pitcher, uh, you toss an ounce of tea in there and a gallon of water, and away you go. That's wonderful. Yeah, it's pretty simple. That's wonderful. And I know having been into the tea smith, I mean, you have a nice selection of uh, very beautiful infusers. You can buy all sorts of different things in teacups and things. But one of the things I really like are actually the the pouch size that you have here that you brought today, because you at last check. You had a sampler size, so mm-hmm. you could get just a little bit and try many, many things. So yeah. um, it, I guess is there any recommendations for getting started when you come in and you look at the large wall of 100 different things, 135 teas, and my goodness, what do I pick? How do you yeah. guide someone into their, their first tea or several teas? Yeah, that's a great question, and <clears throat> that's one of the things that we really work on is we ask them a little bit, you know, caffeine, caffeine or no caffeine, that, that helps quite a Good bit start, there. Yeah. But then you start asking, well, what kind of flavors do you like? You know, do you like things stronger? Do you like them lighter? Are you looking for something with a little bit of savory hint or fruity hint or those types of things? Are you going to drink it in the morning, you know? So you, you learn a little bit about a person's taste profile sure and and what they prefer from there and then you just start going out and then okay uh that sounds good well you as you mentioned those little samplers they'll make six or eight cups uh and uh, you can kind of decide what you want because one of the things i learned early on tea goes a long ways okay yeah uh when i first walked in to that tea store i remember um you know, I was always a coffee drinker, and of course, back 18 years ago, you know, $14 a pound or something like that, and you had some really good beans, yeah. okay? And uh, so I walk into this tea store, and the prices are $25, 50 $100 a pound, and I'm thinking, you're out of your mind. <laughs> well, then I start looking. You know, a, a pound of coffee will make 40-ish cups, okay? A pound of this um, true cream oolong, which probably sells for $80 a pound, will make two, three, four hundred cups oh my goodness <laughs> so tea is one of those things where you can drink some of the best teas in the world and still only have a few pennies in your cup yeah so if you wow so if you buy a pound of that you're you're going to be making tea for a you're going to be drinking time. some tea gotcha Ooh, let's say i accidentally or on purpose bought a pound of tea yeah. and i just can't drink 200 cups in a week how long is my tea going to last that was one of the other nice things i liked about it you know <clears throat> coffee when you roast it you know the, the beans you know you get three weeks and they start to fade a little bit. Tea, if properly stored, which means you, you keep it away from air, light, and aroma. Okay. Uh, I, I tell people green tea is about six months, black tea is about a year. Okay. And I've actually seen some of them go, go longer than that. Wow. Uh, I've seen some teas go 40 or 50 years. 
Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Wow. The, the poor teas that we kind of talked about, those are actually made to be aged, kind of like laying down a, a good bottle of, of Cabernet. Yeah. Uh, a poor tea cake is actually made to be aged over a period of years or even decades. So oh, my goodness. It's pretty crazy. Wow. Wow. Are Any recommendations as far as um, thoughts on pairing tea with a meal because I, you know, my, I guess my classic thought on tea is I'm going to have a cup in the morning or, uh, you know, a cup, you know, resting, reading a, a nice book and having a nice hot beverage next to mm-hmm. me. But, um, you know, of course, uh, you know, Asian restaurants quite often lean, you can get some nice hot tea with your meal, yeah. but uh, yeah, any that you might recommend if I'm going to eat some with them. I don't know, either a steak or maybe a burrito. I don't know. Yeah. What, uh, what, what might I have? You know, you can do just like any food pairing uh, and beverage pairing. You can do something that complements it or contrasts it or whatnot. So you mentioned, you know, the Asian cooking. They use a lot of sesame oils and those types of things. Yeah. And so uh, like a green tea, like especially like a, a genmaicha, which is a, a green Japanese green tea with toasted rice. Yeah. That really works well with the uh, Wow, with, the Asian. with toasted rice? Yeah, yeah. That sounds wonderful. It is. You've got that uh, umami flavor and then you get that roasted flavor from the toasted rice and yeah some great stories behind that one as well um you know if you're drinking uh something really strong a lot of times uh something that'll complement it uh, could be a you know a darker tea or whatnot uh, a lot of people will use a uh, when they're doing like barbecues and stuff yeah there's a tea called lapsang souchong okay it is a black tea that's been smoked over a pine fire Ooh. So you've got this really smoky flavor that actually works great as a, as a meat rub, for example. Oh, my goodness. Uh, so not only drinking it, but actually being a component in cooking. Wow. Wow. Well, I, I, I'm glad you mentioned that as well. I got the opportunity to eat at the Burmese restaurant uh, up in North Omaha, and they do a tea leaf salad. Yes. And it's delicious. Isn't that great? I had never had such a thing, and it is absolutely wonderful. Yeah, was, yeah. certain yeah. places like there and uh, Taiwan. Oh, okay. Uh, they, they, you know, when I was there, they had like a uh, tempura tea leaf type of a thing. Really? And they had tea leaf uh, jello. And, and they, so there's all sorts of ways that you, you can consume it as well. That's too fun. Yeah. That's too fun. Well, and, and the talking about the one you had mentioned with the uh, roasted rice, what mm-hmm. was the name of that one again? Genmaicha. Okay. Which yeah. made me think of matcha. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I do enjoy like a nice iced matcha latte. So how does that differ a little bit from, from the teas that, that we have here? Or is it just all in the grind and preparation. What's, oh, what's, yeah. what's so happening with So we, we sell a lot of matcha to uh, a lot of the coffee shops and stuff around uh, as well because it does. It is quite good. Uh, it's America's newest, uh, you know, health food. Sure, it's only been around for two thousand years. <laughs> Matcha itself, true matcha, uh, is only made from a tea called Tencha in Japan. Okay. okay? It's a shade-grown tea. tea. And what they do is they they pluck, you know, they let it grow uh, under increasing shade, and then everything concentrates in those little tiny leaves at the top. They take those off, and they dry them, and then they grind them uh, with a a granite grinding wheel. Oh, my goodness. Stone, very, very slow, so it doesn't generate any heat, and down into a very, very fine powder, like a talcum powder. Yeah. Okay. And uh, from there, um, the true matcha, the ceremonial grade, is, is something to behold. Um, it's got – it's just an emerald green uh, type of a thing. It's, wow. it's very silky smooth in the mouth. Uh, and, of course, since you're 
consuming the entire tea leaf. Yeah. Uh, in matcha, you've got more caffeine, more of the polyphenols, more of the po- uh, antioxidants, all that type of thing. So theoretically, it's the most healthy type as well. The tea that's being used in the lattes mm-hmm. uh, is, is more what we, co- what we call like a culinary grade. Okay? okay. Not quite as fancy as that by a long shot, but uh, it's still got the, the same health benefits and uh, it's got that nice sharp flavor. You know, green tea ice cream, for example, oh, yeah. a lot of people had that. So you get that green and a little bit of sharpness to it that, that go well with the sweetness. Same thing with your, your lattes. You know, you get the sweetness from the milk and, and whatnot. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, my goodness. So, so uh, preparing a a matcha definitely different than uh, what we did here for yeah. our, our hot tea. So, mm-hmm. uh, for those that haven't got a chance to try matcha or maybe make matcha at home, how does one prepare okay. a nice uh, either hot or iced yeah. matcha? So basically, matcha is not going to dissolve, or so you're going to take. So let's say we're going to do a really nice cup of a ceremonial matcha. Okay, yeah. You're going to take a nice, nice wide bowl and uh, put about a half teaspoon in there with. Uh, uh, water not quite on the boiling, and then you've got this bamboo whisk. Okay, mm. it's uh, uh, it's got like 120 tines on it, cut out of a single piece of bamboo. And what you're really doing there is you're creating a big froth and incorporating the air into your matcha. Yeah, which gives it a little bit of that sweetness and smoothness as well. And the matcha, of course, needs to be suspended because it's you know it's just a, a very finely done powder in there. Okay, and then you would cons- that's the traditional way, and then you would consume it that way. Okay. That's wonderful. Yeah. But the cold matcha, we've got a lot of people who come in and, and get that. Uh, so you just make a nice, strong matcha, uh, you know, ice it back down. Uh, and, of course, you have to consume it because if you leave it set long enough, the matcha is going to all set back down to the bottom. Gotcha. Yeah. And then yeah. oh, it'll separate mm-hmm. and then, ah, yeah. gotcha. Okay. So, wow. so people ask what's the healthiest tea to drink. Yeah. Two things. Uh, one, I always say, want something that you like because no matter how good <laughs> it is for you. If you don't drink, you know, if you don't like it, you won't drink it. Matcha probably is is the healthiest since you're consuming the entire leaf. The entire leaf. Yeah. And then we do a lot of herbal infusions too. Oh, yeah. Well, and with the the antioxidants, of course, you know, uh, cancer-fighting properties and things like that. And you had mentioned the uh, polyphenols. Is Mm -hmm. that correct? So tell me a little bit more uh, real quick about those elements of tea because I'm not as familiar with those. I'm a business major, so I don't understand any of that stuff (laughs) anyway. But um, so all tea has uh, the, the polyphenols and the antioxidants, yeah. okay? Uh, and it's got caffeine since, mm-hmm. you know, that's the natural uh, defense the plant has, okay? And then it's got an amino acid called L-theanine that actually helps the brain to focus. So as the Buddhist monks say, tea will give you a relaxed state of alertness, okay? Oh, interesting. You've got the L-theanine that, that works on the alpha waves in the brave brain, and then you've got the caffeine that keeps you energized. Beyond that, then you've got all the different uh, polyphenols uh, and, and the antioxidants. Uh, EGCG has been uh, is in the green teas and the white teas, and it's been known to fight um, viral types of things uh, and uh, have a lot of uh, supposed to have really some good effects on uh, on cancer and, and those types of things. So, of course, tea is not a medicine; and it won't cure, or prevent, and all that kind of stuff. So. Sure. But as the teas oxidize, then uh, they turn the um, EGCGs convert into theoflavins and theorubogens, which are also good for uh, you know antiviral types of things. If folks were going to find out what is going on with the tea smith mm-hmm. and keeping track of maybe some of these new teas that are that are coming out. How does one keep track of what okay. is happening at the Tea Smith? Well, we uh, we partner with a lot of the restaurants and coffee shops in town, so there's always some fun things going on there. Uh, a lot of the mixologists have been using our teas oh, cool. uh, in some of the drinks that they've been doing. Yeah, but uh, to really know what's going on at the Tea Smith, uh, we've got a really nice website. It's really easy to remember. It's called theteasmith.com. 
Easy. Okay. Facebook is The T. Smith. Instagram is The T. Smith. Okay. Uh, and so we keep those act, uh, going on all the time. Uh, we'll have blogs in there. We've got a newsletter that lets people know, you know, what's being featured. Uh, a lot of blog information to, to keep people uh, educated. Uh, a lot of history about tea as well. And then we've always got events going on. Uh, in February, we did our tea and chocolate pairing. Ooh. Yeah, that's, nice. always, that's always a great one. Yeah. Uh, in March, uh, the end of March, we're doing a uh, green tea 101. So we're going to do like five or six different teas, green teas from all over the world. Oh, neat. And then uh, in April, I believe we are going to be doing the uh, teas of India. Oh, fun. So there's a, a big variety there as well. Neat. So, yeah. so with like the the T one hundred and one, because I, mm-hmm. I I love you know educational opportunities. So, is that is kind of like a tea overview tasting class, informational type thing? And yeah, we do a lot of that. So, on, on the regular T one hundred and one, we will do uh, a little bit of the history of tea and, and what it is, and then we'll do a white tea, a green tea, an oolong tea, and a couple of black teas, and kind of compare and contrast and talk a lot about the things that we hit on today. Is you know the, the processing, the different flavors, the health benefits, and that type of thing. So, you know, tea, it's kind of like wine in a way. You know, yeah. you can, uh, or beer or whatever, you can walk in you know, and say, I want a red wine, or, you know, I want a black tea and that type of thing. Or you can walk in and say, you know, I want a Cabernet Sauvignon from Camus in, 19, you know, 1995. <laughs> or, and I want a second flush Darjeeling from the Aria estate. And uh, so you can go enjoy just a nice black tea. You can go as far as you want uh, into the gourmet side of things. And, and uh, that's one of the things that a lot of our people like and it really attracted me is there's always something to learn, always yeah. something going on. Wow. Do you, Tim Smith, have a favorite tea? It's like saying, do you have a favorite child? I figured, Come on, I figured that might be the answer. But. Uh, <laughs> so I, I really do enjoy the Japanese green teas. Um, that's probably the first place I was exposed to really good tea. Yeah. Uh, and then I drink a lot of oolongs because, you know, of the uh, – the wide taste profile there. But, you know, also being a coffee drinker, I'm used to that strong flavor in the morning. Sure. So maybe our blacksmith blend or an Irish breakfast or this bi that we've got here, something a little stronger to just kind of that mental thing to wake, wake you up or fool you, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, too, when you were mentioning drinking uh, tea in the morning, mm-hmm. how does the caffeine level, how, how does the caffeine level compare from a tea to a coffee? I assume that varies by tea, of course, but, mm-hmm. you know, a standard black cup of coffee, if I'm looking for a similar caffeine level, what might I try in a tea? That's, that's a great question because tea itself has roughly half the caffeine in the cup as does a cup of coffee. Okay. But the interesting thing is the caffeines in coffees uh, aren't attached to anything, so they hit the nervous system right away. Okay? Oh. That's why you get that quick pickup, and then sometimes you get the drop. Uh-huh. The, the, teas, uh, the caffeines in teas are attached to those polyphenols that uh-huh. enter the body through the digestive system. So you get a steady, slow release of the, of, of the energy uh, oh, as compared to the ups and downs. That's one of the things that uh, a lot of people like about drinking tea. Wow. Wow. Oh, so, so that was that uh, state of, what did you say, a relaxed alertness yes. that, that somebody might, that yeah. is very interesting. So um, you could have a similar caffeine level, but your, your release is a little bit different. So mm-hmm. very interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. The science and taste of tea everywhere. Who'd so, have thought? Who'd have thought? This has been absolutely wonderful. Thank you so much for coming to talk with me and um, brewing 
three cups of tea teaching me about this. I truly had no idea that tea could smell like butter. We had the one that was had more of the nori profile mm-hmm. to it, and everything's been been so different. Um, our second tea, I believe, had more of the honey color and a honey note to it, yeah. and we have traveled and and I where from whence does each of those teas hail are they all from the same country there or are they the three that we had or no the one we had was from uh, one was from Japan Japan uh, the other one was from Colombia South America that's right okay and then the uh, the other one was from Taiwan perfect so okay. we actually traveled uh, throughout the world in our conversation here which and, is and we didn't even get out of breath traveling that far we didn't and, and we still have some more tea for later so this yes, is fantastic absolutely. well uh, again thank you so much for joining me thank you for teaching all of us and uh, for spending time with me thank you so much we appreciate that it's been a lot of fun fantastic we'll, well see you soon absolutely and we will We'll uh, sign it off here on Saturday, Omaha, and uh, this is Dave Zorko sitting with Tim Smith of the T. Smith. And uh, as we say, until we eat again, or in this case, until we drink again, stay hungry or thirsty. Bye-bye. Our show is recorded and produced by Saturday, Omaha. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, as well as email Omaha at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and stay hungry. Saturday Omaha. Eat this.